Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 9th of November. With an addition of nearly 45,000 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, India's coronavirus tally has reached the 85.5 lakh mark. With a little short of 500 fresh fatalities, the death toll in the country mounted to 1.26 lakhs. A couple of thousand short of 50,000 people have also recovered from the virus in the last 24 hours. The peak in Delhi's latest wave of COVID-19 is getting higher each day. The national capital scaled a fresh high yesterday with over 7,700 cases. This has made Delhi overtake Kerala to become the fastest-growing state in the country in terms of COVID infections. Moreover, in the last one week, Delhi has also contributed more cases than any state, even more than Maharashtra. More than 46,000 cases were recorded in the national capital just in the last one week. The Indian Medical Association, or the IMA, has said that 13% of the spike in caseload may be linked to the increased air pollution. The IMA has advised people not to go outdoors in the early hours of the morning when pollution levels are at their highest. It also said that senior citizens and children are more likely to develop infections and allergies. The air quality in the national capital remained severe for the fifth day in a row. In view of the falling air quality, the National Green Tribunal, or NGT, today announced a blanket ban on the sale and bursting of firecrackers in the National Capital Region, or NCR. The duration of this ban will be from midnight of November 9th till midnight of November 30th. The order will be applicable to more than 24 districts across four states that are part of the NCR. NGT also said that the ban will be applicable to cities and towns where the average ambient air quality in November last year had been poor or worse. In cities and towns where the air quality is moderate, only the sale of less polluting green crackers will be allowed. The tribunal also restricted the timing of the usage of firecrackers to two hours or as specified by the state owing to the pandemic. In a similar move, multiple states announced bans on firecrackers ahead of the festive season. The pandemic was stated as one of the main reasons, apart from the increasing air pollution. Haryana Chief Minister Manohar Lal Khattar said today that people in the state will be allowed to burst firecrackers for two hours on Diwali. This came two days after the state government had decided to impose a complete ban on the sale of firecrackers. Chief Minister Khattar also said that these decisions had been taken in compliance with the guidelines issued by the NGT. The Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation, or the BMC, has followed with a similar ban. It has banned the bursting of firecrackers in public and private places in Mumbai except on Saturday, that is November 14th. The BMC's decision was also taken in the wake of COVID-19. Karnataka and Chandigarh governments had also taken a similar decision on Friday. Odisha, Rajasthan, Sikkim and West Bengal administrations had made the announcements much earlier. A 16-year-old girl was set on fire allegedly by a resident of her village in Uttar Pradesh's Balia district on Sunday morning. The police said that the girl, who suffered 60% burn injuries, has been admitted to a hospital in Varanasi. The girl's family has alleged that the accused climbed onto the terrace of their house, poured kerosene on her when she was asleep and then set her on fire. Her father alleged that a resident of their village had been harassing her for several months. The Deccan Herald, in its report on the same incident, stated that the father of the victim had complained to the parents of the alleged offender but the harassment had continued. The circle officer of police in the area said that according to the girl's father, the entire family was sleeping on the terrace of the house on Saturday night. Around 3am, the girl's father woke up hearing his daughter's screams and then saw her engulfed in flames. The girl's father has also told the police that he saw the accused fleeing to the adjoining house. 
The officer added that the victim's family has alleged that the accused harassed her each time she stepped out of her house. The accused has been booked under attempt to murder charges and under the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act. Recently, numerous cases of crimes against women have been reported from Uttar Pradesh, including the Hatras horror incident and the multiple rapes and murders from Lakhimpur Kheri. My colleagues Nidhi and Akanksha visited the area to bring you a series of in-depth ground reports from the now infamous Lakhimpur Kheri. You can find these reports on our website newslaundry.com. They detailed what happened in each incident and how each of these cases have progressed so far. Do check out their reports and share them amongst your friends and family members and also on your social media handles to show us your support for the work we do. The Delhi High Court today told two news channels, Republic TV and Times Now, that no defamatory content should be displayed on their channels or uploaded on their social media handles. This comes nearly a month after four Bollywood associations and 38 leading filmmakers filed a lawsuit in the Delhi High Court against irresponsible reporting by certain media houses. The court also said that people are very scared of the fourth estate and asked the news channels to file written statements in response to the lawsuit. Justice Rajiv Shakdeer during the hearing said and I quote, "We used to find Doordarshan very stale. I wish Doordarshan came back. They had some lovely broadcasters then." Unquote. The court also commented on the debates being broadcasted on these news channels and said that there was no civility in their discourse. The court added and I quote again, "Now I'm hearing participants in debates are using cuss words because they get so excited. If you keep egging them on, this is what happens." Unquote. The lawsuits by Bollywood production houses that included names like Shahrukh Khan, Salman Khan, Vidhu Vinod Chopra and Karan Johar has also sought to restrain news channels from interfering with the right to privacy of persons associated with the industry. In the plea, the producers have sought that the defendants or the media persons should abide by provisions of the program code under the Cable Television's network rules. It also asked them to withdraw, recall and take down all the defamatory content published by them against the film industry. Listeners, most of you must be aware that News Laundry is not just a news organization but also a media critique platform. With the ever-falling standards of a section of our country's mainstream media, we believe it is absolutely essential to call out unethical journalism even if it involves big media houses. We have been reporting on the recent incidents of action by the law enforcement on TV channels and the multiple FIRs filed against Republic TV's editor-in-chief Arnab Goswami. In a recent development in another case that involved Arnab Goswami he was arrested by the Raigarh police in a 2 year old abetment to suicide case Goswami was arrested with the two other accused and has been remanded to judicial custody for 14 days he was denied bail by the Bombay High Court today My colleague Pratik Goel in his latest report delves into this abetment to suicide case and why it was reopened after it was closed by the very same Raigarh police over a year ago He analyzes the claims of the victim's family and the police's handling of the case and goes on to highlight the irregularities. To find out more go to newslaundry.com and read the detailed report titled The 2018 Case Against Arnab Goswami. Why was it reopened and what does it say? Listeners, this is what you're offered when you pay to keep news free. You get an independent news platform that does not cater to anybody's agendas. So if you think we're doing a good job, please hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of our website. A monthly subscription costs as low as 300 rupees only. We survive solely on your support because as you probably know, we are 100% advertisement free. 
three soldiers, one border security force or BSF officer and three suspected militants were killed during a gunfight in Jammu and Kashmir's Kupwara district yesterday. According to a defence spokesperson, this happened after terrorists tried to infiltrate the line of control in Jammu and Kashmir's Machil sector in Kupwara district. Defence spokesperson Colonel Rajesh Kalia said that around 1am, a BSF patrol noticed suspicious movement around 3.5 kilometres from the line of control. An encounter soon broke out in which one of the terrorists was killed. A BSF soldier was also killed in action. The firing stopped at 4am. Following this, reinforcements were rushed to the area. Firing started again at 10 in the morning, around 1.5 kilometres away from the line of control. In the firefight, two more terrorists were killed. The Indian side also saw three more casualties. Two of the injured soldiers have been evacuated. The Border Security Force officer was identified as Constable Sudeep Sarkar. Jammu and Kashmir Lieutenant Governor Manoj Sinha offered condolences to the families of the personnel killed and paid tributes to them. Last week, a militant surrendered before the security forces during an overnight gunfight in Pulwama district of Jammu and Kashmir. In addition to this, two other militants were also killed. At the beginning of this month, Hizbul Mujahideen's new operations commander Saifullah was also killed in a gunfight with security forces in Srinagar. A second-year student of Delhi University's Lady Sriram College for Women committed suicide on November 2nd at her hometown in Telangana. In a purported suicide note, she cited the reason to be her family's poor economic condition, especially due to the COVID-19-induced lockdown. Her father said that she was a civil services aspirant, but the family was unable to even buy her a second-hand laptop to pursue online classes during the pandemic. The 19-year-old student, identified as Eshwarya Reddy, was a BSc mathematics student. She died at her house in Shadnagar in Ranga Reddy district of Telangana. Eshwarya, who had scored 98.5% in class 12, left behind a note written in Telugu. The note reads, and I quote, Because of me, my family is facing many financial problems. I am a burden for my family. My education is a burden. If I can't study, I can't live. Unquote. To fund their daughter's higher education in Delhi's LSR College, the family had mortgaged their one-bedroom house for 2 lakh rupees last year. The father said that he was still repaying the loan. LSR's principal, Suman Sharma, said that Eshwarya had not reached out to the college for financial assistance. She added, and I quote, It was a huge loss for us and it is very unfortunate that we were unable to help her. Unquote. And now for some international updates. COVID-19 has infected more than 50.4 million people around the world and killed at least 1.26 million. The US, India and Brazil continue to have the highest figures. According to a Reuters tally, October was the worst month of the pandemic so far. The last month saw the virus spreading at a rapid pace. While it took 32 days for cases to rise from 30 million to 40 million, it only took 21 days to add another 10 million. The United States, the world's worst affected country by the pandemic, has crossed 10 million COVID cases. The US currently has just under a fifth of the global total. Over the last few days, the country has often registered over 100,000 cases a day. America has lost more than 237,000 people to the pandemic this year. President-elect Joe Biden, who announced a new COVID task force yesterday, is due to meet with a 12-member advisory board led by former Surgeon General Vivek Murthy and former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner David Kessler to examine how best to tame the pandemic. In what looks like a breach of the country's own laws, the British government has failed to publish any information about £4 billion worth of COVID-related contracts awarded to private companies. 
The gap was discovered by a campaign group called the Good Law Project, which along with a cross-party group of MPs is suing the Health Secretary Matt Hancock in the High Court. They are accusing his ministry of an egregious and widespread failure to comply with legal duties and established policies. The group is warning of a transparency gap and is pushing for an independent judge-led inquiry into the billions spent on personal protective equipment, medicines and virus testing and tracing since the pandemic began. A United Nations tribunal has said that a suspected financier of Rwanda's 1994 genocide faces a pre-trial hearing at The Hague on Wednesday. Felicia Nkubuga, one of Rwanda's richest men, is accused of crimes against humanity, including genocide, complicity in genocide and incitement to commit genocide for having helped create a militia group and using his media company to incite people to murder. He has denied the charges. Kabuga evaded arrest for more than two decades living on the outskirts of Paris under a false name until he was finally arrested in the French capital this May. The former tea and coffee tycoon was then transferred to The Hague in advance of his trial in Tanzania at the International Residual Mechanism for Criminal Tribunals or MICT. MICT is the UN tribunal that took over the responsibility of trying those accused of atrocities in the Rwandan genocide after the ICTR wound up in 2012. Judge Ian Bonomi in Tanzania said that Kabuga's lawyers will be asked to update the MICT on Wednesday on how their preparations for the trial were proceeding. He said that Kabuga, aged 84 years old according to the arrest warrant, even though he claims he is 87, could appear in the courtroom in The Hague or via a video link from his detention centre. UN prosecutors accuse Kabuga of having helped to create the Hutu militia group and of urging the killing of Tutsis through his radio station that broadcast material inciting the killing of Tutsis. He is also accused of bankrolling and importing huge number of machetes for ethnic Hutu militias who killed hundreds of thousands of Tutsis and moderate Hutus in Rwanda during a 100-day period in 1994. The Rwandan genocide was a mass slaughter of Tutsis as well as Twa and moderate Hutus carried out between April and July in 1994 during the Rwandan Civil War. The most widely accepted scholarly estimates are around 500,000 to 600,000 Tutsi deaths during that period. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.